This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome into to 120th episode of Half Measures Podcast. Uh, I tell you, Dan, I've been running up that road, I've been running up that hill, I've been running up that building. It's been quite a busy week. How are you, Dan? It's been a real busy week, Paul, and I'll tell you, I've come in real hot to the podcast tonight, everyone. Like, I'm still on my work clothes, which is not my normal way to do the podcast. It's I'm really off-putting just... when you're not wearing your pyjamas. I'm I'm in my my business attire, but I'll tell you, Paul. I came inside and I went straight to the fridge and I was like, you know what I need? Is I need an ice cold Coke, mm. which we're not sponsored by, by the way. And I, <laughs> I get this Coke out and it drops out of my hand and like smashes on the floor. Oh. It's a can, it's a can and it's got a big dent in it. And I was like, oh god, not today. <laughs> anyway, my memory kicks in and I remember I'm better cool soul. And you know how those cans get dropped and they spin yes, it on the table. That's right. So I'm like. I want to give this a go, and Howard better be damn right. So I spin the can on the table, open it up, not a problem. And I'll show you here. This is the, you're at home, not going to be able to see it, but this is quite a dented can, Paul. It like, is. That's a severe that. dent. That's a big like, drop. It's a, it's, a, it's a decent drop. Um, but the spinning it on the table, you know, a light twist, I had no no fizz up or bubbles. Until I saw that in Battle Saw, I didn't know if that was an urban myth or if it was just a or if on on the southern hemisphere you needed to spin it in the opposite direction or if it didn't matter. I was worried about that, so I spun it both ways. And then I was like worried that I was going to like, <laughs> am I going to undo the good that I'm doing? Because I was like, and I couldn't remember what way he spun it, but look, it works. It's a good trick to have in your pocket. I I mean, I would have equally really enjoyed that story if you said you'd, you'd spun it and it just blew up in your face and you were like, do you know what, Howard? <laughs> you deserve what you got. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, either way, I, I, yeah, this is great, great pod content. It is, it is indeed. And um, for me, it's been a mix of good, bad, and ugly um, for the stuff I've I've watched. Um, but first of all, what have you been watching, Dan? Well, because we've got a, a bit of a joint watch on for this week, I'm only coming at you with one thing this week, Paul, and it's a TV show, a mini series that you can watch on Neon here in New Zealand, and it is called We Own This City. So this is a six episode six episode TV show starring a friend of the of the pod, <laughs> uh, Mr. John Boonthal, and this is a, a great little actually. Great slash unfortunate slash terrible events because it's it's based on a on a, a true story, but it basically tells the story of the rise and fall of the Baltimore Police Department's gun um, trace task force and the corruption surrounding it. And it's kind of it's got some real strong um, the wire vibes for me, and that's because actually one of one of the the writers I believe actually worked on the worked on the wire, but it's. The way they kind of tell this story, so over these six episodes, is the timeline is constantly jumping around, and the way they they sort of indicate to you where where we're at in the story is they're filling out these arrest sheets, and depending on the arrest sheet, the date they put on, and the sort of the the time period we go into, and they did this really kind of like interesting thing from a storytelling point of view, where particularly John um, Burnthal's character, who is the um, the main cop, who's Wayne Jenkins, 
is he obviously looks different sort of throughout the the time period that they they have. So when he sort of first joins the force, um, to when he sort of is involved in the squad, to all of the sort of corruption that he's involved in, um, it's got a it's got a great cast. It's also got uh, Jamie Hector, who you may remember from Bosch. Mm. And basically, it's just, it's basically telling the the rise and fall of the squad. And this squad is all the things kind of. They kind of say this in the TV show. All the things wrong with um, policing, and you know, sort of where it's got so bad, and there's so much distrust of the police, and the cops are just, you know, stealing from the drug dealers. There's there's just corruption at every level, and it just gets so bad. No one really knows how to fix it, and a few terrible events happen. Um, which are obviously based on on real life events, and there's riots, and there's there's all sorts of drama. But this is a an interesting watch like it, it's pretty intense and each episode is a is a good almost sort of hour long and it is sort of it is only six episodes so it is a, a mini series i i don't think there'll be a season two because it kind of concludes mm. where we're at in today's timeline but it's a it's a hell of a watch that's fascinating to hear because i've seen this advertise i've seen the poster and i i just never really sort of took too much note but the fact it's based on a true story i love that because i i remember the the, the Baltimore well I remember mainly the riots and the you know the protests and and all the things in the street with the fire and you know all that sort of stuff well, that's that's the main thing I remember from from a distance and from you know seven years ago whatever it was uh, I had no idea and I've just looked both creators of the show one was the writer of the wire and one was the producer of the wire so you're spot on no wonder it's good quality because Everyone in the world has told me to watch The Wire, including you. Um, and yeah, John Bernthal is always good value. Jamie Hector, I've not seen in anything other than Bosch. Photos look good. Production looks good. The ratings look good. It's a mini series. I love that. I reckon it could go on my list. And I think this is the thing that it really is the spiritual successor to The Wire because the the Wire it's kind of a bit of a hard sell to people these days. Like I've been trying to convince Samara to watch it and it kind of is a bit too old for her, but it's the storytelling so good, but we just live in a different age. Like a lot of the concept of the wire is, you know, it's, it's about wiretaps and kind of the way they kind of, you know, crack down on drugs through sort of older technology. Whereas, you know, in this sort of more modern day or modern era, as soon as anything happens on the streets, everyone's got their cell phones out. People are recording videos, like nothing goes unseen. There's body cam footage. And so it's such a, a different world for them to kind of operate and police in. And it kind of does an interesting job where you kind of see how, like, you know, particularly with the, as the squad grows and, you know, the squad gets the numbers so they're kind of like they're given quite a free reign but they're kind of running wild as well and so for example like they might their shift might start at 8 a.m they might not roll until about 2 p.m they might do a bit of work finish at four charge overtime like no one's really got sort of their their eye on the inner workings and basically the the police and in, in the story are are so kind of you know, tired of being the villains. A lot of them are the villains in the story. So you kind of got like, police with these unions and kind of go slow work orders and um, not like almost kind of afraid to actually police because, you know, it might turn into a riot or the city protect them or they get sued. Then on the flip side, you've got these these citizens who just can't, like the police isn't there for them. They don't they don't actually offer any value anymore. So it just it creates such a, a boiling pot of issues and it's 
like it's it's so real because of so much stuff that's still happening mm. right now but it's a it's kind of a fascinating insight i see what you mean about the way they've tried to make people look different at different time frames uh you know haircuts and so on that's interesting and i like the idea of the filling in the arrest form i always think of um dope sick as being the ultimate in terms of tv shows that sort of travel back and forward in time just with a real simple effect i found that really good so i i was just focused on the comment you made about um you know like and it's actually not about the show it's about the wire about it being a hard sell because it's so long and i was thinking about things that we watch like even like better call saw which is set pre-smartphones because of course they've all got you know the the old flip phone you know just the you know nokia's or whatever and there's something about the fact that you know they haven't got today's tech that kind of for me at least makes it almost more fascinating because you you had to think that a little bit harder you had to work that bit harder to find out whatever it was you needed to know or or you wouldn't be informed you know what i mean i kind of like that i agree i think it for me i think it does still does still give it interest and i think the why is such a a top tier tv show that it's almost wrong to dismiss it on sort of for those reasons and i think it kind of almost speaks to a bit of a different era of policing, right? Like you literally had to like monitor wiretaps. You had to, you know, go and manually put a, a yeah. wiretap in a room or on a phone. Like it's not all done sort of from behind the computer desk. I love that. It's added to watch list, Dan. You've convinced me. And that's on Neon in New Zealand, so easy. Yeah, on Neon. Yeah, so yeah, great cast. Um, pretty, pretty heavy watch, but uh, a good sort of – over a, a weekend or over a, a, a week watch and you'll be able to sort of smash it out and look at sort of left me, you know, Googling some of these people, looking on sort of Wikipedia, seeing where some of these things are at. And it's it's very sort of relevant to what's going on in the world today. Mm. But that is me, Paul, apart from our, our joint watches. What have you been watching? Yeah, well, I'm the, I'm the same as you in terms of not having too much time. Plus there's been, you know, the Nations League kicked off. So we're back into football, which is great um i said good bad and ugly for me this so i'm going to start off with the bad and that unfortunately is the next movie in my rewatch of the ocean series oceans 12 um so this is 2004 sequel to oceans 11 uh danny ocean and the team are back uh looking to pull off three major european heists and um i i just don't know what happened here i i just Ocean's Eleven is so great and you, you, you come off of that on a high and you come into this movie and I think you sort of touched on it last week when you sort of said, oh, you seem to have a memory that it wasn't that good and your memory's spot on. There are some positives here, um, like the introduction of Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh, her character is one of the more memorable, enjoyable roles. She has a history with Brad Pitt's character and that made it interesting and her storyline sort of really makes sense throughout, keeps it interesting. But I guess there's a few other things, but they just lost the magic in this somehow. What's weird is the the gang themselves seem, seem to visibly be having a really good time, almost to the point that it's kind of it's kind of effortless. Like they're they're not even having to act. Maybe that's part of the issue. I don't know. And you know, Steven Soderbergh has, has made some great movies, but this is not one of them. It, it's got none of the punchiness of Eleven. It's got none of the like the the camera angles or those clever shots it's less funny 
And also this this whole heist, these three heists that they're trying to do, they're trying to do because Andy Garcia's character, who they originally ripped off in the first one, has caught all of them and is making them pay up. And so you, there's not really that sort of same motivation and drive. So it was a bit of a letdown, Dan. It's a shame, isn't it? Because on paper, when you look at this cast, it should just be a, a home run. Like, Walk in the park. You know, already got a, a great first movie under their belt. You've got a bunch of the same cast signing up. They're already superstars. As you say, it's maybe that was the problem. Like maybe there was too much of a sort of reliance on this magic will just happen like it did the first time. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's lazy in that respect. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't try hard enough. I, I mainly point the finger at the writing as I often tend to do. Julia Roberts um, has a, an interesting role in this one, but it gets weird when she as actress you know as the character tess ocean she then pretends to be julia roberts in the movie who then bumps into bruce willis who's playing bruce willis that gets a bit odd um and i can't help thinking because i've done a lot of movie series rewatches and i often say you know oh it's 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 a great way to do it it's kind of the reverse here because i think watching it in isolation might actually be better because you don't realize how much worse it is than the than the the first one so yeah it's a uh, poor writing great cast wrong idea wasted opportunity to build on such a great first movie i'm gonna i'm gonna come back with oceans 13 see if that picks it up because i can't really remember but um yeah oceans 12 on prime video i'm gonna give it one gun then it's it's a real mess one gun that's a whew, not good one gun shall we move on to something which hopefully is a little better dan and that is our first joint watch of the week of three watches this week first up stranger things season four this is uh this is good paul this is uh, i feel like we're coming in real hot to something fun and enjoyable here and this is the the first half of season four and we're going to be talking spoilers so if you haven't seen it you may want to either go and watch that or use the time codes to jump ahead and so we've hit the first, what, seven episodes of season four? Am I right in saying that? That's before? right, yep. And we've got what, three or four to go. I should know this because I talked about it on the news desk, but two to go. Two, two to go. But they're, they're long episodes, though, in the two to go, and these episodes here are, are very long. And this is almost kind of a bit of a, a different uh, vibe of Stranger Things or sort of a, a different way of sort of storytelling and we'll sort of get into this in a moment um, and there's I think there's lots to discuss but I guess overall like I had a great time how about you? Absolutely superb and it's there's just nothing else quite like Stranger Things out there for me it's so unique in that sense they're so often I'll watch something and I'll say, oh, you know, if you enjoy this or if you like that, you know, this will definitely be for you. And beyond sort of saying, oh, if you enjoy 80s music and, you know, a lot of 80s references and toys and seeing nostalgia, but that's only half of it. You know, it's there's so much more to it than just that. And for me, this this season, I thought was, you know, it it elevates it to I would say for the four seasons I still I still think season one is is my best but otherwise I would I would say I'd put this above season two and and season three I found it much more straightforward and easy to follow I thought the story made a lot of sense it was all interesting this was a great time as you would say 
for some reason, and I don't know why I thought this, I thought season four was going to be the final season. Yeah, I did too. And I saw a fifth. Yeah, there's a, there's a fifth, and I think the the fifth is meant to be the final. I think it's I think it's just been so long in the making that I've kind of just kind of a little bit sort of mixed messages on that. But anyway, I think you know what's season four like how. These episodes are enormous, Paul. Like, we're talking hour, hour 20 episodes every time we go. So every time you kind of sit down to watch one, it's like you're watching a movie. And it's – and I'll tell you something that's sort of interesting, well, for me anyway, is that I – a couple of things kind of like I had to work through with this season. One, I didn't like that the whole crew wasn't together. Like, I wanted – I want the whole gang together. <laughs> Two, um <sighs> – there's a there's a a lot of new characters and I think with a lot of new characters and already like a pretty big cast I kind of found myself like always wanting to know what the other characters were up to but in saying both of those things I actually think this collective first first part of season four does such a great job of always like just when you're I'm starting to sort of oh god I wonder what Will's up to or I wonder what Eleven's up to it would kind of it was almost like it knew that and it was sort of like bring me back to that story and I think they did a pretty wonderful job of keeping it all so connected despite how many characters and moving parts they've got with the show yeah no it's a really interesting point because I I enjoyed all the separate stories and so for me um yeah we we just to draw a quick comparison to Walking Dead, we always want the gang together. That having the the gang split made it quite good because each story that they rotated between, I really liked how they did. I mean, I guess that's what many TV shows do, of course. But just each of those stories were so interesting, and because there were major characters in each of those stories, whether it was you know in in Russia or whether it was the you know the, the younger kids or the or the older ones or or Eleven back at the uh, back at the house so to speak. Um, There was just so much interest there and there was a lot of additional characters and I sometimes struggle with that. I'm thinking about TV series like Dark and otherwise, but I kind of, for once in my life, kind of let go of of the detail and having to, because it just felt with the vibe, I just trusted it would all come together and it all make sense. And thus far it has. Yeah, I think if anything, it, it it's kind of like is two episodes enough to kind of finish telling the yeah. the season four story? And I think the other thing that I'm already, I'm already pretty sad about it, Paul, is how long are we going to have to wait for season five? Like, I I don't want to wait another three years. Like, I I want a, a next year release. Yeah, I, I'm shocked when I saw, and I, I haven't seen too much evidence of season five being confirmed, other than sort of it's listed on IMDb and, but. I'm almost worried that if this season ends on a real good note, that at some point you draw a line in the sand. You know, we've talked about TV series that go too far and too long, and maybe if they stopped it there, it would have been one of the best of all time. And I just hope that they don't push it too far because I came into this, as you may recall, sort of saying, oh, you know, is it still going to work? Because, you know, they're so much older now. I couldn't have been any, I couldn't be more wrong. It, it completely works. And I just hope that magic is still there. It's funny though, isn't it? Because I think some of the some of the kids on the show, I think still fit uh, still fit the kind of age bracket that you think of. But some of them yeah. look super old. That's right. Um, and these are like that's, for example, dusty. It, dusty works. 
Dusty's perfect. I'll hear no ill words about Dusty. Um, I think, you know, for example, the guy that's in charge of the, the Hellfire Dungeons and Dragons Club, like, and I, I'm glad that they actually made reference to him failing, um, uh, high yeah. school or whatever their, their system is in America, um, multiple times. Cause I was like, how, how old is this guy? Like, he's, he's like 25 and he's harassing these kids that they're, they can't find a substitute for D and D. Like, it's, it seems so dramatic. Yeah. But at the same time, and a Stranger Things and an 80s vibe, it all kind of just works. It does. They use some relatively, I think, clever camera angles at times as, as, as well to sort of disguise sort of heights and, and, and so on. But yeah, it was a really nice touch when they're like, oh, I can't believe you're still at this school. You failed again. You know, it's like just explaining why he's there. It's so good. I think too what the show does do a good job of is kind of showing how as you get older you kind like your interests change, your friend circles change, different things are important to you. And I think you can really see that with characters like, you know, like Lucas is obviously now like he's yeah. deep into his sports. He kind of wants to he, he's looking for for different things in his life, as opposed to, you know, Mike and Dustin who are still kind of loving their their D and D. You've got, you know, someone like Eleven who's kind of, you know, nowhere sort of like not even in the same sort of category as your other classmates and kind of building like dioramas and stuff and it's yeah. just I think they do an interesting job of, of this sort of storytelling it's the it's just the funny writing they just they just write for these characters so well the Duffer brothers um just just absolutely nail it it's um and, and aside from the kids you know kids in speech marks so to speak the you know and the rest of the main cast the other cast that they have coming in as well, um, sort of all my regular recurring characters, are just always such good value. Matthew Modine as Madame Brenner, I just think he's fantastic. I almost don't even recognise him from like Dark Knight Rises or even you know Full Metal Jacket. He's so he's so good in this. Paul Reiser is a million miles away from his. Uh, I can't remember the guy in Aliens. Um, but my favourite character, and I think I seem to remember saying this to you about season three. And it's the same here as season four. Brett Gelman as Murray Bowman, Black Belt Murray. I just, I don't know. I hope I don't relate to him too much, but there's just so much about his character that just cracks me up in every scene. He's absolute gold. I almost like that some of the almost kind of B characters have almost kind of become A characters in a way because their stories are are so interesting. And I think there's some interesting almost kind of relationships and characters which I I kind of feel differently about this season compared to last season. Like, for for example, in the last season, I I really loved um, Steve and Dustin's, like, friendship and they're sort of you know even though there's a bit of an age difference and i i was kind of still looking for more of that this season but they kind of seem a little bit further apart another character for me which i i normally like i'm normally like really enjoy eleven's character but eleven's character was a, a you know it was a real kind of almost backseat this season like, it was we didn't see as much of eleven it was very much about her getting her powers back it was very much sort of about dealing with some of the the bullying issues and some of the almost sort of the, the PTSD of some of the things that she's been through. And it kind of, for me, made her a weirdly kind of a, a less enjoyable character. But I know she's such a great character and such a great actress. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, when, you, when you think about top billing, it's obviously it's Winona Ryder and David Hubbard. But for me, when I think of Stranger Things, I immediately think of Millie Bobby Brain. I always think of Eleven as the as that focal point with then uh, the, the, the friends around her. And you're absolutely right. You know, I... I, 
you know what's funny is I don't know if if you hadn't mentioned her, I don't know that I would have thought to mention it because all of my thoughts are around other things that have happened in the series because you know she wasn't front and center and I think she, I think actually the first few episodes maybe were a bit slower and it really picked up in the sort of like the last four but the first three when she was at school and there was the bullying going on and just the rage when she picked up that roller skate I mean I was right with her the whole way and I was like yeah that's right you know and that's terrible as you to have but I was really with her interesting though right because I think you know the, the roller skate example is probably a good example to kind of dive into is this is a, a very dark season right like oh, I yeah. think like the the horrors ramped up the kind of the the violent like even some of the things that hit that happening with Jim uh, and Russia like it's, it's some pretty dark stuff and um it'd be interesting to kind of hear I, I've heard quite a few sort of parents like being like oh, I'm letting my kid watch Stranger Things mm-hmm. starting from the beginning and I think that kind of works if you like depending on the age like if they're kind of growing up with the show but if you're kind of potentially like 12 13 this is a pretty intense show to be watching but i just want to i want to go back to the the roller skate i know that's had a lot of backlash online like of how far they went with that scene and even i was surprised that she actually hit the girl with the roller skate like i was genuinely shocked that that was a a scene that happened it it was i think that was the that's the reaction they're going for that what we're the fact that we're talking about now is because it was it was so out of character so um you know how she was being treated was terrible and that was why i was like yeah that's right you did yeah but as soon as she hit i knew that it was wrong but they they played it with such powerful emotions and this season that's this that was like the first time i realized oh this is this is going to a much darker place like I think one of the reasons why i still keep season one is perhaps my, my top set is because it's just got that fun 80s um the big bad wasn't quite so big or bad and the scale of the upside down felt quantifiable to me more understandable it's kind of like it's so much bigger and darker now and real like when you see some of the bodies um that are being torn apart in different directions and like the monster that comes out in the russian prison you know just devouring heads i mean yeah you can dress it up with a lot of comedy and great dialogue but when you actually just look at it it's I don't know what's the rating on the stand. It, it feels like it should be completely restricted. I, I think it's on on Netflix in New Zealand. I believe it's a it's an R sixteen. Even yeah. for example, I think you know David Harbour's character, like you know, breaking almost or dislocating oh, his own ankle goodness. to kind of like get it. Like there's there's just some some in, intense things, and I think it's it's all in the context of the show, and it all kind of I think you, like you're right, like it, it all balances out. But it's just interesting, I think, some of these moments you know are going to cause big conversations online, big kind of like camps of either for or against. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm sure they know that when they're doing it. I'm going to be a little bit controversial, Dan, and say, you know, because I haven't come in with too much criticism, but one thing I might venture, I think it may have been a little bit too long. So on the one hand, when you and I are talking about some series, like we're going to talk about Obi-Wan tonight, you know, six episodes, of, I don't know, 42 minutes, whatever, maybe that's too short, but For sure. seven, seven, seven episodes at an hour and 20 a pop. Um, that's the other extreme. And I, I, I sometimes wonder if it does take away something from the whole experience. Like, um, and I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily feel like anything it was, was dragging, but I wonder if, in hindsight, there was there was a little bit of editing that could have been done along the way. I don't know. 
I don't know, like I think, you know, maybe in the moment of watching it, but I'll tell you, Paul, as soon as um, we finished the final episode, I was just like hanging out for more Stranger Things. Like I wanted yes. to know what everyone was up yes. to. And I was just like, I couldn't wait to get more. So even though it was long, I feel like they had a lot of story to tell. And I, and that's why I'm kind of like, oh, is two episodes like enough? Like maybe they, because each episode was so long, should they have made the split at like five and given us half and half? Yeah, or, yeah. Um, it's, it's just sort of an, an interesting way to way to cut it. They've left they've left a couple of stories really completely unanswered, and and, and you know we've got no idea what's you know what, what what's going on in Russia with 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 Hopper and and so on. And so there's a there are a, as you say a lot of lot of things to be tidied up. But given that how much time they had to play with, they've done that very very deliberately. There's just so many great characters in the show. Like, just even looking at the list on IMDb, like, like I love um, Robin Buckley, played by Maya Hawke. Like, I love the way that she kind of is like almost a great like juxtaposition to Nancy Wheeler. I love, as I was saying before, like Steve Harrington, like such a great character. I love like Erica Sinclair, how she's just like got all this sass and all this wit, and she's kind of just calling everyone out. I think they do such a, a great job of kind of. It looks like they look like fun characters to play, and they're like genuinely fun relationships that they have. Oh, fully, yeah. And of course, as we've already touched on, um, Dusty Henderson, just for me, always the best, always the funniest lines, always the funniest facial expressions. Somehow, with respect, doesn't seem to have grown as much as the others, and so just still really ties me to that season one look um although they did do some flashbacks you may have spotted at different points and when they do flashback you're like oh wow these you know it's 2016 you know it's six years ago another another one to mention uh robert england um cameoing in as as the big bad victor creel um like just why not i mean what's funny is they're making reference to a nightmare now machine as as part of the nostalgia in the film and then they're having him play the the big bad it's it's great and I think, you know, you know, for Dustin, right, like, it's good, right, because, you know, when you think back to, you know, when you were younger, like, everyone's kind of at different stages, right? Like, some people some people were younger, some people were, like, taller, like, everyone's sort of going through those those various things that happen. I've got a question for you, though, Paul. Hmm. Will Byers, who has got, like, a, he's got a bit a big emo, emo energy, yeah. and... And that haircut. That haircut is, it's a vibe, like, don't... <laughs> Don't like. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I was going. I was going to go to a dark place. So he's he's been working on a picture for someone that he loves. He turns up to the to the airport to meet Mike with the picture. Like, is there some? Is there some? Is this why he's kind of like got a vibe? Like, what's going on there, Paul? I, I don't know. Eh? I because they, they weren't explicit about it, um, and they didn't really explore it too much. And I wonder. I well, I'm certain that it will come back up in the in the final two um, episodes, which you say are even longer. Is that longer than an hour and twenty? Yeah, I think the final episode might be about two hours. I, think, I recall. Okay. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. I I was I was wondering, will they revisit that? Because Mike, I've always felt. A, a bit sorry for in some respects because his his uh sorry not mike mike uh will his, will his his character has has always been the one which has just been less at the forefront because of course he was the one that was taken originally and so he he's never been he's main cast but he's not main cast and so i was really thinking oh this would be a great opportunity to have more of his character and so they kind of opened up that storyline but they never went back 
Mm-hmm. It is interesting, isn't it? Like, yeah, I think you're right. That's a good shout because because he, I sometimes think, you know, because he was in the upside down, like he wasn't there, but he yeah. was there. Like he still had such a, a major impact. I think a point that you mentioned earlier is interesting, right? Because we've got the the big bad uh, Vecna in this season, and we've kind of got some coming and throwing, coming and going from the upside down. That, Dustin in particular is solving these big, huge kind of like science conundrums of how you enter and exit realms. And I think this is something that I think does kind of leave me a little bit tentative. And, you know, already they've got this sort of military story and the um, and the scientist story. And it's kind of like, you know, the, uh, the government's coming in and explaining to the kids what they're doing like – I hope this doesn't just go into some sort of like ridiculous, like it's all like ridiculous is the wrong because it's already kind of like dealing in that genre. But like the more it is about the kids, the better it is. I think yes. the more adults that are involved, kind of like takes away the believability and, and the and the fun of the series. Uh, I agree, although I because I've talked about how much I enjoy some of the adults. I think it's I think it's the 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 non-main cast adults that keep coming in that's that's where it's that's, yeah, that's yeah, where that's it's it. um what's the word it's uh, detracting away from um and uh, yeah so i'm not saying joyce or jim yeah. or uh, even Murray, like those guys are all great i mean the when i say the adults i'm like, like the the governments the, and the officials the government yeah. is the yeah yeah no you're right and i, I think they you know given how much time they've got in each episode that the, they need to spend a little bit more time on i feel like just looking through this list of characters you know, we didn't get as as much out of some of them that we've had previously, and I just feel like they all deserve a bit more screen time. Even the even the Lucas character, I really want to see him make a bit more of a an impact and a bit more sort of coming back to the main gang after he was, you know, sort of turning a blind eye to some of the those first two three episodes. There was some moments where I thought, "Am I not going to like these cast members by the end of it?" Mm. And you know, it's not got to that point. But it was it was a hard watch from the point of view of people are growing up, people are no longer best friends, and you know, there was that line along the lines of, um, "What do you think we're going to do? Just sit in my basement and play games all you know for the rest of our lives?" And he just kind of said, "Yeah, I guess I did." And there's kind of that that's you know one of those thoughts of you know when you're a kid, it's like, "Oh, this is just what life is," and then all of a sudden. You've got to you've got to do a day job and start a podcast. It's you know things isn't it's, it's not playtime forever. Indeed, indeed. Well, I think again this speaks to the like. There's a lot of characters, right? Like, and I, I you know we need characters like Steve and Jonathan and uh, Nancy because we and Robin like slightly older who can kind of drive and sort of get away with a few more things. But then when we've got characters like like the the stoner character who's kind of driving around in his pizza van, like yeah. I, I almost like like do we need those those because it's just another like person and it's kind of provides some like light comic relief, but is it critical to the story? Don't know. I think I think you hit the nail on the head because it's it's great to have that character come in to drive the pizza, um, but there's too much backstory for him. There's too much time. Uh, I feel like I've got to know that character, and I don't. You know, I feel like I'm diving into what we sort of say on The Walking Dead. It's like I haven't got I haven't got room. For another, you know, I want to stick with the main gang. We're on a, a short, short time frame here. There's only a few more episodes to go. Let's not bring in more people that I haven't got time to care about. I did love on the on the flip side of that that we actually got some cameos of like you know Billy coming back from uh, season three, uh, who was the yes um, Max's stepbrother. Yes, uh, we had um, Barb come back again. It was 
Bab, Bab was always going to shout. It'd be, there'd be an outrage if there was no Bab. Yeah. As soon as we saw Billy, I was like, we're, we're definitely getting Bab. Justice for Bab. Yeah. Um, just changing subject quickly, Dan, because one of the things about this show that has just been iconic and people think of when when you say Stranger Things, I think, is the opening credits is, you know, that wonderful vintage look of that wonderful red font as the letters come in. And of course, that brilliant opening music theme that everyone associates with the series. But this season, even that music has been superseded by the 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 lyrics I said in my opening, the, the Kate Bush song that I don't know about you, but everyone's been humming it for the last couple of weeks. I spoke to someone at work who, um, in fact, my my manager who uh, her partner is using that song to to put their toddler to sleep. I mean, it's everywhere. It's such a great song, and I, I think this is Stranger Things has always done this well, but I think they've really exceeded themselves this season with running up the hill. Like such a yeah. such a great song, and like it's number one on Spotify right now. Yeah, in, in New Zealand and Canada and a couple of other places. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. It's, I think there's just so much to love. I, I just had such a a wonderful time and it really made me miss Stranger Things. And I, you know, I was kind of thinking, should I do a rewatch of Stranger Things before this started? Yeah. And I think that's definitely going to be in order for once we've, before season five, because I think there's just so much to love about this universe. Do you know what it reminded me of, Dan? It reminded me of uh, maybe two years ago, you and I went for a wander through Wellington City and we went into that uh the comic book store on cuba street and there was Mm. that stranger things like like a coffee book sort of like for a table and you didn't buy it at the time and i think you thought you might and i I thought of that book and thought that would be just such a great read right now just to go back and revisit all the characters you bought me that book paul that's what i thought i was just checking that it made it there (laughs) (laughs) indeed i i think it is such a, a fascinating universe and it's a there's so much to kind of dig into it's i think they've just they've just hit the 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 magic source on this and as i say i just want them to i i want season five sooner rather than later like i just and i think this season took so long because you know they've obviously been filming in so many different locations and the amount of you know cgi for some of the the monsters and the upside down and oh yeah um now would, would be so intense so so no wonder you know good things take time but it's uh yeah, it's it's this is good. I think if you're a, if you're not a Stranger Things fan, I think get on the show. There's there's so much to enjoy. Oh, hundred percent. And if you're looking for a, an eighties heavy sci fi nostalgia, well, you're probably already on it. But yeah, if you're into eighties or if you're into sci fi, you're gonna love it. If you're into both, why are you not already started? So we'll be back, obviously, with a, another Stranger Things Season 4 Part 2 review soon because we get the new season in uh, July, which is, we're, we're three or four weeks away from that, Paul, so it's great times. Not far away at all. Shall we uh, jump on to our other joint review, that little indie project, Obi-Wan Kenobi? Yeah, Part 3, Episode 3 of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I like how they're not giving the episodes any names whatsoever, just simply part one, part two, part three. Part three, Obi-Wan searches for allies as he attracts the attention of the Empire, threatening the locals. This episode, Dan, I'm going to come in quickly and just say this episode of television was the greatest television experience in terms of a single 
episode, the greatest television experience I've ever I've ever known. I cannot think of anything else that I've watched that has left me so shook and made me think about it so much afterwards to the point where I was literally re-watching it the like the following lunchtime, I think. I'll tell you what's annoying, Paul, is so peek behind the curtain so we record the podcast on a wednesday normally and so often we record the podcast and then last week we both were excited to run off and watch obi-wan and what's annoying is when you just recorded the podcast and people like myself are like definitely not going to see vader till the penultimate episode <laughs> That's right. like uh who's going to voice vader is it going to be james Earl jones like probably not and then all of the things that we've just said probably won't happen happen in the episode it's like no it's great and i love that when it happens because i've been caught out of that as you well remember with oh it's definitely never going to be luke skywalker you know there are things that happen it's almost impossible to know where to start here and i guess with if you hadn't already guessed we're, we're fully talking spoilers i think possibly the, the one thing that has sat with me the most all week about this episode and I, i've i've not ever i rewatched i've gone back and watched specific scenes which i don't often do but what sat with me is that that was really it was really was darth vader it was vader as real as he is in the Earth Strikes Back. And as you say, James Earl Jones returning at 91 to do that voice. And last week I said we hadn't heard him since Rogue One, but on close inspection, he did Vader in Rebels. And he also did that brief cameo in The Rise of Skywalker when uh, when Palpatine was revealing to Kylo it was him behind Snoke and everything. The quality of the voice is what sells it. It's absolutely incredible because it's so clear. It's actually so young sounding. And what I mean by that is if you listen to Vader in, in Rogue One, it, he, it, it's a noticeably older James Earl Jones voice than what, we're, than what you hear in the original trilogy. But the performance in Obi-Wan, it is extraordinary. I can only imagine that somehow they've used tech to change the tone or the pitch or something because he sounds just like he does in Return of the Jedi. And, you know, even though you, you see a Vader suit, when you hear that voice, you realize, oh, the this is the Vader that I watched as a kid. He's alive. He's in his absolute prime. And on the on the other side, Obi Wan is in the biggest trouble we've ever seen him in. The I think you're right. There's there's so much to discuss with this episode. So I just want to double check, Paul. Do you want to jump in with the Vader stuff first, or shall we? I don't mind. I just I, I... we're kind of on Vader, so let, 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 let's talk about it. And then, but there's some stuff I want to talk about, particularly with Freck. Um, so this. You know, in Rogue One, we often talk about with, with Vader how, like, this is, like, this is angry Vader. And, like, we don't, you know, you don't often see that. But this is, again, we got angry Vader. We got him snapping necks. We got him dragging people through fire. We got him, like, dragging people behind him. Like, he's not here to play, Paul. He's here for business. Oh, he's absolutely here. This is, this is like, Vader from the comics. Or I've got here, and I've, I brought it over specifically to, to show you, there's a book called Lords of the Sith. And I remember reading this book and I recommend it to you, Dan, because it's like Vader in the books. It's like, oh, imagine if they'd done that on film and there they have it. Like he was taunting Obi-Wan. He was just absolutely going to do anything. You know, he was just baiting him to come out by just, as you say, just walking through the street, snapping next. It's, this is Disney. And, you know, this was, um, this was incredible. And seeing the full process of him being put together from back to tank to suit it reminded me of like the the Constructicons forming Devastator. Like I remember we joked about it once, you know, does he have a full wardrobe of suits? He always goes with the black and, you know, who helps him get out the tank and get assembled? We've seen it now and it's 
Like some people have argued, oh, you shouldn't see that much. I disagree completely. It's. I think you're right. Like it kind of sends a, a chill down your spine. Like when when he is kind of being put back to put back together and putting the suit on. Even seeing like um, Vader's palace is yeah so cool. Like I feel like the closest we've really seen that is almost like the Lego set where they released like um, correct Vader Vader's palace. And it's kind of like what what the hell is Vader's palace like? But it kind of makes sense, right? Like if you're going to be on Mustafa, that's what you have. Yeah, I mean, it must have been a nightmare to build it there. I mean, the conditions for the construction workers must have been quite quite dangerous. I think, you know, when you're someone like Vader, you're not looking for drop-in visitors. You don't want people <laughs> ringing your doorbell. Correct. And, you know, it's, it's for their own safety that they stay away. So I think, too, the, the other great thing is I, I actually got a, a bit of a jump scare, Paul, when Vader's lightsaber turned on oh, for the yeah. first time. Because it was kind of the, the almost pitch blackness, and then there's just <laughs> so good. The instant, the instant that obi-wan went running off into the dark and the open space i I was just like what are you doing if you if you're going to leave cover in the dark you're in absolute trouble and um the the way they use like um the delayed breathing so there was like vader stopped breathing there was that total silence and then you hear obi-wan sort of gasp and then vader exhales and then did you spot that sudden turn of turn of his head the speed when he could sense obi-wan looking at him and he just turned the vader head just and it was just absolutely terrifying it was genuinely terrifying and as obi-wan was walking around and he sort of we had that weird angle where he had his lightsaber and he was sort of unsure of himself and because the light was it's like holding a torch in front of you you can't see anything it was just terrifying so that jump out moment that you describe i had a several of those Mm. And I, I just, I almost couldn't believe it when Vader, you know, basically like threw Obi-Wan into the fire, oh. almost in a, in a retribution type way, like you're going to suffer the same way that I did and, and your pain is only just beginning. Like, there's so much kind of meaning and intensity behind these scenes. Yeah. Again, I mean, we, we, we've always talked about the, the the great lines of Vader from Empire in particular. And Jedi, I guess, but you know, like now you will suffer, Obi Wan. Your pain has just begun. And there was that great, great line when Obi Wan's like, "What have you become?" And he's just—you can't see the, but you can feel the stare. I am what you made me. And then, of course, <laughs> the line that we're all thinking back to Revenge of the Sith when he's like, "You should have killed me when you had the chance." It's like, yeah, you shouldn't have left him just falling into the lava on Mustafa because now look, look at you because. Yeah. I, I know we got a gem and Obi Wan in a minute, but he's in so much trouble. And Vader is just, as you said, top of his game. No more half measures, Paul. That, that's really where that quote should have really come to play. That's right. That would have been a great use of it in there. If they'd thrown that in, this podcast might have got, got a few more subscribers thinking that that's what it was referencing. It's really, it's really effective. Yeah, definitely. So I think you're right. Like there is a lot of other things to discuss in this episode, and I think. Again, like young Leo Organa still in the show, oh, like yeah. so so wonderful, and I I kind of weirdly enjoyed um, Freak as a character as well, and I think what's kind of interesting about Freak is so Star Wars is full of these kind of quirky characters, and I think what's interesting about Freak is, and I I don't know whether it's more top of mind because of the my sort of increase in reading Star Wars books at the moment, but Freck is to me someone who's like, he's so on board with what the, the empire is about. 
he's made his own own sign and put it on the back of his truck and he's so brought into the you know the propaganda of what the the empire is and he, he he's loyal to it and it's it's fascinating and scary and i think it's got some interesting kind of historical references to you know you might think about someone like nazi germany or something but it's like he he thinks he's doing the right thing yeah it's, it's you always think you know, nazi germany is a great example who are the people that bought into this and thought this was a good this was okay this guy freck if before you've seen the the sign that you see, the homemade sign he's put on the back of his van or his trailer you think oh this is a nice guy he's got that um you know you say styles has got quirky characters he's, he's almost got that dexter vibe from episode two at the mm-hmm. diner you know just a real nice big friendly guy he's voiced by zach braff from the guy from from scrubs and he just seems friendly he's like oh just get on board i'll give you a lift and then you know that i mean that whole scene is is also hilarious like um when the stormtroopers get on and obi-wan has to you know casually nod hello when he sits next to him obi-wan by the way is the worst liar in the world right on the back of that trailer he's just it's got, not a strength is it yeah he's really got like it's 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 amazing that luke ever believed anything he said about his father being murdered by darth vader because he's literally the he's just not streetwise at all but i'll tell you who is streetwise is leia as you say and she is just such a highlight she's so so bright she's so insightful she's she yeah you know, she's fearless she's inventive she never listens to obi-wan i mean she really is later it's interesting to her like the um <laughs> it's so funny when the 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 stormtroopers are talking to obi-wan and there's sort of that that scene where like oh, we'll, we'll get him we always <laughs> do and it's it's like it's generally like laugh out loud moments and i kind of even just enjoy even though it was kind of like goofy when they get to the a little imperial checkpoint and it's got the little laser fence yes and it's like so first of all it's stopping a vehicle right but like it's not stopping a human like they did big aerial shots where you could walk around it but i just love that like obi-wan had to shoot out the control panel so they could walk through it like there's some ridiculous sort of you know sci-fi star wars things which are kind of almost in there for good fun value yeah the control panel that he shot very very similar to the control panel that luke had to shoot in order to 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 close the door to or whatever it was in a new hope um yeah that was interesting it was only ever going to stop the vehicle um leia in that green outfit so reminiscent of her look in you know return of the jedi on endor um I, I've never experienced an episode of Star Wars, you know, given that we haven't had Star Wars on TV for so long, but where I was, I, I went through all the emotions of like hat pumping, um, laughing out loud, you know, Leia when she's like, so I can't talk or I don't talk. And he's like, you just don't talk. And then two seconds later, she's not only talking, but she's getting him into all sorts of trouble, just laughing out loud and then terrified moments and then absolute just i felt i can't quite explain my emotion about obi-wan because i just feel like we've seen a beaten man he 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 really i mean ewan mcgregor does a fantastic job of of obi-wan he really sells that moment when he starts to to sort of he can feel through the through the force that vader must be close he he really gets you scared at that point and then how he shut himself off to the force obi-wan's kind of done the same i guess we've seen that with luke and last jedi but Obi-Wan is just, he, he's like a, he's like a, like an ex-marathon runner who's been lying on the couch for a decade, who's suddenly been told to go run a marathon. He's just, he's not in force shape in any way, shape or form. He's been force choked. He's been dragged into fire. I mean, Obi-Wan 
at the moment, it's a real tragedy, this story. Have you ever heard the tragedy of Obi-Wan? I think you're right, and I think this is the it's a sort of Star Wars that you don't you don't think about as much as it, and I think you're right. Like this this really is a bit of a a redemption story, but we didn't know that the redemption needed to happen. Yeah. And it's 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 so rewarding. I think the other thing that this um show is doing is you often think, you know, Luke Skywalker, he's he's such a key character. Leia Organa, she's yeah. just as important. And I think this show is actually reminding us that there's two very important people here. And it's so often everything's put on Luke. It, it's so often. And, and I think, I don't know about anyone else, but I was certainly duped into thinking that this would be a show where we'd be watching Obi-Wan keep watch of, keep watch of Luke. And, you know, we might get a, you know, oh, Vader's being mentioned we might get a bit of that but in actual fact we've having we're having heaps of vader luke's nowhere in the picture leia's front and center she's driving obi-wan's storyline the fact that obi-wan stayed there was because he wanted leia to get away um we're not on tatooine it's it's leia this that's actually driving the direction that these characters are going in from running away and, to right now and i'm so glad for that because luke has work to do on the moisture farm <laughs> and it's just a few more seasons that owen needs his help right. so we we don't need to know anything more about Luke. We we know we know all the core. I'll tell you one thing. Um, I have got a question for you, which kind of was a little bit of a a frustrating thing. But before, actually, before I say that, a character I surprisingly loved the lifted droid. So good. Yeah. A non-speaking role. I loved. Then he like he picked up his like big hammer, and he was like, you could tell he was going to go to town. I I hope we get more more lifted droid in episode four. But one of the things I my question is. So we've obviously got Reva, who's sort of, you know, desperately trying to trying to please Lord Vader. She's, um, you know, equally sort of like looking in the house, looking down the tunnels, eventually comes across Leia. I don't understand how she got ahead of Leia, like because Leia was like running down the tunnels to go and meet the pilot. And then all of a sudden Reva kills the pilot. And then when Leia arrives... She's like, oh, are you the one I'm meant to be meeting? I, I didn't understand the logistics of how that all moved around. It's so funny, Dan. You, you may not realize this, but you quite often make comments or ask questions that I get from from Diana. This time, you've asked a question that I had I, I had from my from my twelve year old son who also watched. It. He's like, I don't get I don't get how that. And I'm like, my explanation to him, I'm feeling that is too simplistic because maybe I'm the one who's wrong. But I kind of figured that they were both running towards each other. So Leia was going this way, but because of what happened with Vader, she's like, okay, um, I'm now coming back this way. And so they've they've basically met each other. But I feel like even with two watches, how can I how can I be right and you both be wrong? <laughs> yeah, that kind of does make sense because I didn't think of the, uh, there being sort of tunnels with multiple pathways. I kind of just thought of there being being one tunnel. Right. But let's, let's not dwell on it too much. Um, <laughs> it, it is what it is. I think an even more exciting moment, speaking of the tunnels, is when that's kind of referenced that this is sort of a, a safe passage yeah. um, and for, for moving Jedi's around. And name drop, mic drop, Quinlan Voss, my boy. Yep. Quinlan Voss. Is is he going to show? And you know, there's a lot of people out there maybe listening, going, "I have no idea what these guys are talking about now." That's because they may not have watched the the Clone Wars series. They may not um, have picked up his his reference in Revenge of the Sith. But this is someone we've seen in animated form at the very least. If you're a fan of the Star Wars book, big star of uh, Dark Disciple. Yep. If you're um, 
a real big sort of nerd. You may remember in um, Phantom Menace, there's a, a character with yellow kind of like face paint when they're talking to Sebulba. Yes. And it's sort of long reference that that was oh. now Quinlan Boss undercover. But it's, um, it's you know, Star Wars fan theories. Um, Quinlan Voss, fascinating character. I would love it if we get a Quinlan appearance because I think he's just another character who there's so much sort of stories to sort of talk about. And he's a real different Jedi too. Like he's yeah. he's kind of dark and gritty. He's been through some things. And it makes you wonder, Paul, like just thinking about the Star Wars universe, has maybe a young Grogu, you know, been through this process? Dan, you're on the spice. You're talking Grogu already. I mean... Quinlan Voss is one thing. I love the fact that we've got this 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 special hideout place, and there's other, you know, it it works for the audience. But maybe it's not a wise idea that Jedi are carving their names into the walls. Um, maybe that's not the thing to do when you're trying to be on the run from the Empire. Um, I feel like we we might get Voss. We 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 might we're going to have to get someone because my question for you is where does this series now go with three episodes to go? Because last week, you know, we thought we might get Obi-Wan versus Vader in episode five and or six, and, and we've already had it in three. We can't have it in four, five, six, but at the same time, they're not going to let this series peak at this point. You know, it's it's way too early to peak. And if this isn't the peak, we're in for a great ride. But, you know, is it time for Qui-Gon, you know, to bring Obi-Wan back up, you know, and do a bit of a Rocky Balboa and get him back up to four shape? But, you know, are they going to bring in some other characters? Where, where are we going from here? I have learnt my lesson from last week, and I'm not going to make any predictions for this episode, apart from my only prediction will be is we will not get any Qui-Gon until Obi-Wan starts believing in the Force again. And I think there's more of a journey to go on for Obi-Wan before that happens, which I think is more kind of nearing the end of, you know, episode five or six. If you'd like to see Liam Neeson return as Qui-Gon Jinn, tune into part four of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which airs in two hours time because Dan's just given us the seal of approval by making that prediction. I feel like I feel like it's going to happen. I feel like they've teased it for three episodes. And because and also I'm surprised Obi-Wan wasn't burnt a lot more. I can only presume that that fire was perhaps like sort of looked intense. You know, like a Bunsen burner can look intense, but actually isn't that hot. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's that sort of fire. I feel like the fact that he's got away... A lot of criticism about that online. I'm not engaging in that. The fact he's got away and he's met him, he's now going to be, I've got to get back into the force. Damn it, Paul. I'm feeling like he might be right because, <laughs> you know, just thinking about Obi-Wan being like, master, master. Like, you know, he's, he's having the dreams. He's talking about it. You're right. They're probably Maybe they're not going to drag that on. And if they are going to, you know, teach him the way of being a force ghost, then maybe that does need more than a few episodes. God, I don't know, Paul. That if, oh god if rocky balboa is getting back in the ring he's got to get into shape and he needs his coach so we need we need um burgess meredith to be brought back aka liam neeson and i don't know i i, I could also be very wrong i could have given it the, the kiss of death but i just feel like the he's he's had his wake-up call and you know we, we've actually now only got three episodes and at the same time you know we know that neither of these you know neither vader or obi-wan will will come a cropper you know we see them in a new hope so there's there's never any danger of that. I think the the bigger immediate question here's me saying I'm not going to make any predictions and I'm already full of um, theories. Is so based on where episode three ended and where episode four is about to go. So Reva now has Leia. So 
is she going to oh, take yeah. Leia to Vader? Do you know what? That's a. I think you've given me a thought here because because we had such an intense episode. It was intense, right? I mean, I just said it's the best TV experience ever. I feel like they now may follow the thread of the story, which is, uh, as I said, it's it's Leia, and it will be Reva with Leia. Whether she gets taken to to, to Vader or whatever, I, I don't know. But I feel like that will be a story thread we're going to follow. And and Obi-Wan, on the flip side, you know, he, he's presumably in a safe space. We haven't even mentioned, um, you know, the um, Indira Varma uh, as as Tala, who was, uh, you know, undercover uh, Imperial agent coming in to, to save the day. I mean, she was great. She's got him, she's going to get him off of the off the planet um you would have known her from game of thrones i've seen her in a number of things from uh paranoid to uh, luther yeah luther that's the one no thank you um she was great and so recovery for obi-wan and following the thread with leia that would be my prediction at this point but um on the on the subject of reva the inquisitors so the grand inquisitor doesn't show up at all and so as far as reva and the fifth brother and vader are concerned he, he's gone and you know these inquisitors do show a lot of ambition you know they're both trying to impress vader trying to be the one that gives him the status updates you know trying to gain favor with the project manager i honestly feel like the grand inquisitor is going to have to show up at some point and maybe maybe episode four is where he shows back up who knows yeah i think there's there's definitely more cards to be played here and i think just thinking about sort of the you know the dance floor of the story you know you got to get the get the people up then you've got to like give them a moment just kind of calm down i'm wondering is episode four our kind of like calm down moment because obviously penultimate yeah. we're going to go out with a bang final episode we've got to start wrapping some things up so yeah i think this is probably the the perfect episode to kind of progress a little bit of that Inquisitor storyline and maybe have a a grand Inquisitor re-reveal. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's fair comment because I don't think I was not really in disagreement with you last week. I don't think anyone anticipated what we got in episode three. So a bit of a just bring us back down to earth because we need to be lifted back up. You can't you can't maintain, like I said, you can't be peaked and and stay on that high the whole way. You've got to have a, a bit of a, a lull. So um I'm quite prepared for that and quite happy for that. Mm. It's uh, it's it's so good. I'm kind of surprised, Paul, that the the review shocked. number has dropped down on IMDb. Like, I'm shocked. What the heck is wrong with people? And as I say, I've seen, I've walked away from some of the commentary I've seen because people are so inflamed by the fact that Vader let Obi Wan go and saying, "Oh, you know, his suit is fireproof. He could have walked through there. Why was he saying to the stormtrooper, bring him to me? He could have brought him over with the Force.'" The bottom line is is that we were never going to have. Well, if if he does get him at some point in the next three episodes, we were never going to have that happen straight away. We were going to have a bit of a you know an entree before the main, and people just need to just get over. I mean, this this is like the Star Trek and Doctor Who communities on fire at the moment with this. You've really got to calm down, eh? Because I think that you know. It, Given Obi Wan's lack of sort of force abilities right now, Vader could have just snapped his neck in a heartbeat, that's it, and that's it. you know it could have all been over. So I, I think you've kind of got to like this is a story that like it does have to fit into the wider plot point. Like let's not sort of get too over analytical about where and how some of these things should happen. Correct, correct. That is Star Wars 
Obi-Wan Kenobi available to watch on Disney Plus if you haven't already. All right, Paul. Well, what's been your favourite thing this week? It's it's the greatest TV experience of my life. And so it's 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 so tough because we've had such great TV this last three podcasts and we've had Better Call Saul, we've had Bosch and we've had Stranger Things, but I cannot go past that uh, that one singular episode. But if we're discounting singular episodes, Stranger Things is just an absolute hit. Mm, it's so tough to answer because all three of the things I've watched this week have been amazing. And I, I can't decide between I love so much of Stranger Things and I love being able to just kind of bask in all of its content. But at the same time, part three of Obi-Wan was kind of a, a surreal experience as a, a lifelong Star Wars fan. Imagine being someone who hasn't seen any of Star Wars. You know, your you, you guy last week, you know, about Captain Kirk, is he in Star Wars? I mean, I'd love to be those people and have the chance to watch it all the first time. Let's not let's not get dragged back into it, Dan. Let's move into our movie of the week feature. Indeed, indeed. Okay, so um, movie of the week. What have we got this week? So each week, Paul and I take turns choosing a different movie of the week where we discuss it here on the pod. We announce that movie every week in our Discord channel, so if you would like to watch along before we discuss the movie, you should definitely come and join us over there. This week, we are watching the 2020 movie Another Round. Yeah, so synopsis for this one, uh, four high school Teachers consume alcohol on a daily basis to see how it affects their social and professional lives. So this is a foreign language uh, movie. Um, and I'll, I'll start us off, then because I mentioned at the top of the podcast, this for me, it was a mix of the good, the bad, the ugly. Well, I've talked about the bad. I've certainly talked about the good. For me, this is the ugly. This is a movie that has been... Um, from what I can see, I've done a bit of reading about it, believe it or not. It's been really well received, won Academy Awards, BAFTAs, Golden Globe nominations. It's It's got an English language remake already in discussions with Leonardo DiCaprio to, to be the lead. But I just couldn't, I, I just couldn't get into it. And it really, it really bothers me when so many people seem to get something and I don't. It's like, um, uh, it's like coffee. Uh, it's like Wordles, it's love, like Love Island UK. I feel like everyone else is mad about it and I'm not. It's interesting, right? Because first of all, like the Mads Mickelson, like we're, we're, we're big fans. Yeah. We, we've had him on our peak performance. We love the guy. This is sort of a, like, you know, I, I picked this movie this week and put up as one of our options. And I kind of knew it was kind of high risk going into it. So first of all, being a, a foreign language comedy slash drama, I kind of in the same camp as you, like I'd heard, you know, some, some relatively positive things about it. But I'm completely on board with you. I oh. failed to connect with this movie at every single level. And so – and I – I even went online afterwards and I've been reading reviews of people being like, this is the greatest yep. and funniest movie they've ever seen. I didn't laugh once and I just found the whole thing kind of a, a bit painful. And I, yes. I, and it's, you know, often sometimes we'll have a movie of the week and we may not enjoy it, but we'll find something good in there to kind of talk about. I just sort of found this, the whole sort of, 
the concept of just like drinking during the day to try and sort of like maintain a good buzz and they kind of became more fun versions of themselves was kind of an interesting experiment but none of it just it just didn't work for me yeah oh look i'm fascinated that we both feel the same way because i i almost couldn't finish it which is rare for me and of course i was always going to finish it because it's our movie of the week but i found it depressing but not not in a way like a war movie or something where you're you're witnessing suffering or things that mattered because I, I just didn't care about why it was depressing and I guess to, 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 before I dive into that some of the positives that I sort of thought about here was I do enjoy uh, watching uh, foreign films I, I find it sort of always um, an interesting experience and very often I come out of it thinking that was fantastic really great quality acting across the board i'd never heard of any of them apart from mads before but all very good mads is is really good uh, it was really interesting seeing him not speaking english as well for the first time there was things in it that were tied to reality in terms of the theories about how um world leaders and there was the scenes of a lot of famous world leaders clinton and boris yeltsin and other politicians seemingly a little tipsy on camera and you know so that was very fascinating but you know, when you hear evidence of world leaders doing it, you sort of think, oh, is there something in this? Yeah, and the dancing was hilarious. But that's it. That's as far as it goes for me. The rest of it, it just it just kind of, like it somehow promoted day drinking. And I've never been a fan of anything that tries to overly criticize drinking or, or unduly restrict it. But at the same time, I just, I didn't like the message that it was promoting there. And I just think that the funniness, if there was any, and the fascinatingness kind of gave way to some very real life consequences, some wake up calls and a lot of pain and anguish. And it's funny, right? Because it's, maybe we're too uptight, Paul. I I don't know what it is, (laughs) but it's like, because they're teachers, it kind of felt even worse for me. Like, like. It just seemed like so irresponsible, yeah. and like just kind of the like it was almost like life is so bad for these for these characters, and most of them seem to be living fairly kind of like mundane, but norm, like normal lives, like nothing terrible was kind of happening. That they needed to get drunk to get through it all, and I, I don't really know if we need a Western translation of this movie like maybe it's like like maybe just like culturally it's kind of i don't know it just doesn't work for me i I always the same i kind of got to about half an hour to the end and i was like god are we gonna get there yeah and when i was looking at some of the reviews afterwards one of the favorite scenes a lot of people talk about is the amazing ending of this film and the amazing sort of dancing that happens. And I begin to sort of question, like, did I, is there something wrong with me? Have, have I had like a big aneurysm or something like this? No single part of that was any fun. Yeah. The, la- the last sort of three minutes of Mad Nicholson, who appears to be on an absolute high, crazy dancing by the waterfront, um, I'm willing to bet that he may have even had a drink in him for that scene because it just felt like he couldn't have been completely sober to have achieved that. That's. I also don't like sometimes seeing that. Like, that's Hannibal, you know. That's that's Le Chiffre. That that's um that's Gale 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 So um, it's the same reason why I don't want to watch um the Mamma Mia movie. I, I don't want to see Pierce, but I don't want to see James Bond dancing and singing. It's not, I just didn't need to see it. I'm exactly the same as you. This is an this is less than two hours this movie, I swear to you. It felt like it was three and a half hours. I, the Irishman is long, but this movie 
you know, the, the Irishman flies by in comparison to this. And yeah, I, I think the fact that it was a school, as you say, just made it feel very wrong. You know, at the end of the day, I've been drunk in the day for quite a few days, but I was a teenager or in my twenties and at uni and whatever, you know, these guys have got families and driving vehicles and teaching kids who need to get qualifications to go on to you. I, I'm so relieved in some ways that you feel the same way because everything I was reading about it. And then when I was like, DiCaprio's going to do one, I was like, what, what am I not getting here? Yeah. I think for a movie like this to almost kind of work, it has to be so over the top ridiculous. Like it kind of needs to be like a, a super bad type movie where it, like, I don't know. I think, you know, I went out on a limb here, Paul. I chose something a little bit like arty, a little bit different, and it's um, it just hasn't worked. I think for me, a one gun, one gun akimbo. Yeah, it's a half gun from me, Dan. And I, you know, as as we always do, we put forward two movies, and we choose, and I I was the one that chose this one out of the two that you put out because I looked at it and I, it was a very quick decision. I was, oh yeah, drunk teachers that could be a bit of fun, but it really wasn't. <laughs> and that's available to watch on Neon if you want to watch it. Yeah, if, if you still want to watch it, it is on Neon. And look, I imagine there's probably some people out there that are going to love it. And I imagine there'll be some people that write in from the mailbag who are like, what are you guys talking about? This is one of the, the greatest uh, movies of all time, but unfortunately not for us. Indeed. Um, I I love how we've done our pick of the week ahead of movie of the week because we both knew that we was never going to be um, the movie. So on that note, I'm interested to see your pronunciation of some French words, which I'm sure are going to come up in your news desk. Well, Paul, do I have a treat for you? So on the news desk this week, so we've got a few things. It's not a not a super packed news desk, but first of all, Netflix, The Sandman, uh, a trailer has been uh, released, and that is going to come out on August the 5th, which is not too far away at all. This is a graphic novel series which has been long in development. Should be very interesting to see what they do with it. It is one of those shows that's quite hyped and I'm sort of feel a bit tentative about it because I, I often feel like when they sort of, not Netflix, but you know, whenever we kind of dip into these genres of um, various sort of gods and dream worlds, they can be real hit or miss. So mm. I hope this is good, but let's see. Won't be too long to wait anyway. Uh, Lord of the Rings, um, that has a complete five-season plan, which is is awesome. I love that. I love it when a, a show is kind of already thinking sort of, you know, big picture. You know, you don't want to sort of have that, that loss type thing where you kind of Correct. almost feels like you're going season by season and working things out. So hopefully they, they make it all the way through after all five seasons, but very positive. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows, a show that I really enjoy, is getting two more seasons. So this is um, everyone's favourite American vampires. So good to good to know that we'll be getting more of that show. It's a show that you can actually currently watch on Neon here in New Zealand. Uh, Tales of the Walking Dead uh, has a season premiere date, and that is going to be August 14th. So... Paul, you're a big fan of Walking Dead. This is going mm. to be sort of similar to The Walking Dead, but it's going to be made up of six one-hour standalone episodes, each of which will focus on a mix of both new and established characters from the universe. Honestly, I think we should do episode by episode for that, Dan. 
I, I don't know if I can partake, Paul. I think <laughs> I, I don't even know if I should be allowed anywhere near the show. Like, I am, I've already got my heckles up, but let's see. Uh, Raised by Wolves, uh, a TV show, I, I think I might have talked about the first season here on the pod. It has been cancelled after two seasons on HBO and it's been met with quite a bit of uproar um, as this is one of those shows where there's quite a number of sort of storylines in progress, but it has sort of been a little bit hit and miss with people, so unfortunately been cancelled, but I think some work is underway to see whether they can sort of finish it off with a movie or maybe another network can pick it up. But unfortunate news if you're a Raised by Wolves fan. Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, a movie that we reviewed, not or I reviewed not too long ago on the pod. Um, that is about to hit Disney Plus this month, which is pretty awesome. And it's come out pretty fast. Mm, that is a quick release. Uh, and then one final bit of news from me is The Joker 2 has officially been confirmed. Now, this may be the the French title that um, you're talking about, Paul. Very interesting title, Folly Adieu. So um, <laughs> is it's is it's working, I, I presume, working or, or real, real title? And it's basically, that, that French word is defined as a psychological disorder where the same or similar mental disorder affects two or more people, which I think is... I'm already, consider me hyped, Paul. You know, at the end of the Joker, we already see more people sort of like mimicking, sort of replicating that sort of Joker behavior. I'm excited. I'm also, as I always say, tentative because we had such a fantastic outing with the Joker. I hope that we don't run this into the ground. Like, you know, because there's so much superhero stuff. But if it sort of has the same love and attention that the first one has, I'm sure this is going to be a great time. Yeah, I think with Todd Phillips there, I'm I'm sure it will be. But yeah, it was such a special, unique take. Um, and of course, to have to have a movie based around that character rather than Batman was a fascinating experiment that went so well. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for that as well. And I I knew that was going to be on your desk, and I had no clue how to pronounce it. So I'm glad it was. Um, the only things I can add this week, then, um, that Nicolas Cage is wanted. He is wanted for Face Off Two. They want him back, and that I'm is on board. that is a sequel let's that no one needs that we're definitely going to watch. Uh, let's so, kickstart it. And we'll fund it. Yeah, let's do that. And the only other thing, Ted Lasso season three um, is being written as the final season. So that is one of my favourite shows. The last. Two seasons have been absolutely superb, but yeah, apparently uh, Brett Goldstein, um, who stars as Roy Kent, that's my Roy impression. <laughs> he, he says it's the final, the final season. So, um, so yeah, I guess we'll we'll see, and we'll look forward to that. Awesome. Anything in the mailbag this week? Yeah. So last week's review of um, Bosch Legacy season one. Um, we had that review shared by quite a number of people associated to Bosch. The producer, Mark Douglas, uh, the producer, Henrik Baston, both shared a review. The writer and co-producer, uh, Asokwe Vasquez, whose name I know I've said wrong and I apologize, particularly because he not only retweeted our review and commented on it on our Instagram, he also listened to it and said that he enjoyed it. And then he followed us on both Twitter and Instagram, which is like a perfect trifecta for us. So that was that's always awesome to get a listen from someone who's you know written Bosch. I mean that's that's pretty good. 
Uh, it was also shared by Denise Sanchez. She plays Officer Reina Vasquez, um, the, the officer who Maddie's been riding around with. The official Amazon Bosch account liked our post. Michael Rose, who played the big bad guy, Kyle Rogers, he retweeted our review. And finally, Harry Bosch himself, Titus Welliver, also gave the review a like as well. So a lot of love from the Bosch team, which I love that. I had to laugh to myself, Paul, when um, these various people are listening and retweeting and liking and just thinking to myself when I was referring to Obi-Wan renaming himself to Honey Chandler um, (laughs) as he's running around the galaxy. And I I hope that the the writers, producers and and cast of of Bosch listen to that part of the review as well. And take it on board perhaps as well. Mm. Take it back to the writer's room. Um, Speaking of Obi-Wan, because you don't often get – much interaction on a you know when you sort of post about disney or star wars but young princess leia herself vivian lyra blair lyra blair sorry not sure how to pronounce it she liked our review on her official instagram and new zealand actress simone kessel who plays brea organa she uh, she shared our review and commented on it with the praying emoji which i presume she's probably presumably praying uh, for obi-wan because he's he's as we said in a lot of trouble right now uh, and then finally, last week's peak performance, we had Michelle Yeoh and we had a few suggestions come in. Ash from Palmerston North went with everything, everywhere, all at once, which I've heard a few people talking about and I haven't watched. So I've added that to my list. Um, Ryan from Oakland went with Crouching Tiger and Paddy from Time Traveling Tink Podcast gave us his 321 Crazy Rich Asians, Star Trek Discovery and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. He also gave us a belated 3-2-1 for Tandy Wayne Newton of Rock and Roller, a really underrated Guy Ritchie movie, Solo. And like everyone else who wrote in last week, uh, his number one was Westworld. And he also admitted that our source was correct and he was indeed very drunk for most of the week. And that's the mailbag. I don't know who he thinks he is, Paul, just coming in here with like, you know, getting that content order, getting the timeline messed up. Yeah, I've given him the benefit of the doubt as a one-off this time. But yeah, it's a, it's a yellow card, I think, as we say in the football world. Mm. It's a yellow card. Dan, mm. shall we shall we quickly move across to this week's big performance? Yeah, so much like our movie of the week, uh, each week Paul and I take turns choosing different actors, actresses, producers, directors, um, and we choose what we think are their best performances or best films or productions. Who are we doing this week, Paul? This week, we're moving into the director's chair, which we've done a few times now. And since he's been talked about a few times now, we're going to do Steven Soderbergh. What have you got for me, Dan? All right. So a couple of things. Interesting. I feel like Steven Soderbergh is all over our our podcast last week and he is again this week. But for my honourable mention, Paul, I'm actually going to go for a movie that you reviewed back on episode 17 of the Half Measures podcast. Do you remember? Logan Lucky. Yeah. Oh, yes. Episode 15, in fact, I think. I think. Was it 15? I thought was it was. It? Oh, maybe. Uh, I, I, I looked it up as well, funny enough. You're probably right. Oh, you're, you're right. It's 15. It, was, it came out in 2017. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so, fantastic movie, fantastic cast. Um, a lot of fun as a sort of a, a, a crime comedy. Um I just can't I can't I can't get over just, you know, blonde uh Daniel Craig in this movie. Yeah. You know, we're we're at peak Kylo Ren, Adam Driver, um, at this at this point in their lives. And I think it's just a a well told fun story. But for my actual peak performance, 
what I this is a TV show which in my mind cancelled far too soon. This is came out in 2014 and it's called The Nick. And it's a look at the professional and personal lives of staff at a New York Knickerbocker hospital during the early part of the 20th century. And it stars uh, Clive Owen as the, um, I guess, the, the main doctor in the show. Absolutely top tier, Paul. Top tier TV show. So many dark, interesting, fascinating things. Um, brought to you by Mr. Steven Soderbergh. Wow. That's a great show. I heard about this and I never got around to watching it. And just looking at it now, I see it really rated really well. And yeah, it looks fascinating. Great show, then. Mm, definitely. How about you? What did you choose? Well, the reason I knew it was episode 15, because I looked it up as well. Logan Lucky gets my honourable mention. I really enjoyed this, you know, back in the early days of Half Measures. Just a really good comedy comedy drama you know always that fine those things often go wrong as you and i've talked about um superb cast the script and yeah like you said 2017 was the same year as the last jedi so seeing adam driver there and also seeing you know bond in his peak it was incredible it could easily have not have worked but with steven soderbergh at the helm it all it all came together well but my peak performance is actually 1999's the limey um starring uh, Terence Stamp um, opposite uh, Peter Fonda, um, and he plays this. Um, he plays this like this East Londoner whose whose daughter's been been murdered over in America, and so you know he's out of prison. He goes over to LA to find the man responsible, and it's such a powerful movie. He's so driven. There's nothing else in the world that matters to this guy, so he's he's just so focused. And Terence Stamp somehow brings uh, a bit of a cockney comedy to this very dark movie the the way he's taking people down and they use these really good flashbacks from a movie that terence stamp did in 1967 uh, called and i looked it up it's called poor cow and it features flashbacks of him um where he's with his his baby daughter and wife and so because that's him and you can recognize it as him he kind of has a bit of a general zod look about him it really adds weight when you're sort of watching him in in this movie looking for the person who's 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 killed his his daughter it's it's a dark movie but it's really well done and i could easily go rewatch right now sounds fascinating though i've never heard of it this one myself actually yeah no it was uh i, I seem to recall it was like I moved to Canada and it was in Vancouver. It was the first movie I went to see at the theatre in Vancouver and it just really stuck with me. Well, fascinating choices. Well, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of uh, another episode of the Half Measures podcast. does indeed. Thanks for listening in this week. Do get in touch if you've got a peak performance for Steven Soderbergh or if you have a different opinion about another round or if you've got some answers to some questions we raised in Obi-Wan or anything, get in touch halfmeasurespodcast.com or on our social media. Also, a very special shout out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting King, Trisha Brady, Diana Kanawa and Linda Tevna. We couldn't do it without you. If you too would like to become a Patreon producer of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone. Adios.